Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the weekly podcast, The Unchangeable Truth. Uh, We just sit down with Pastor Stephen as he discusses his sermons from Highland Park Baptist Church, and we are honored and thankful that you decided to listen. And we ask you to go ahead and and click that subscribe button, click that like or the follow button. And again, we are honored and thankful that you have decided to listen. So keep listening as Pastor Stephen discusses his weekly sermon. Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast with Pastor Stephen. And uh, man, we're here just talking about scripture, talking about church, talking about the sermon that you preach. Man, how you doing? You doing okay? How's your voice? Good. It's a lot better. A lot better? A lot better. Did you stop smoking? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. For a while, I thought maybe I should start, but yeah. it couldn't get any worse. So uh, I, uh, I, I, I threw a cough drop in and preached yesterday, and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate having anything in my mouth because it automatically makes me want to spit more. And uh, the uh, with my open Bible right yeah. there, I, I'm really bad. I'll if I spit cough drops all over the pages and I close it up, I can't get them to come back open. Well, and I was going to ask that because you said that before, and I think I've even seen you like in staff meeting or something. You'll open your Bible and it's like the pages are st- <laughs> pages are stuck together because right. the cough drop went everywhere. Right. Yeah. And. People who only are around me when I preach are like, "Oh my goodness, that guy's like, like he spits everywhere he goes." And I really, I really don't. I yeah. just in, in the in the moment, you just only got so much time, and you're wanting to get stuff out so bad. And then, then you throw in that you're dealing with your ears being stopped up, your nose and your throat stopped yeah. up, and then you got a mentholithus cough drop in your mouth. <laughs> and man, it's like I'm spraying everywhere. Yeah. And if you sit on the side, on the front row on the side, not necessarily in the middle, but if you sit on the side, you can really, you can see it. You can see it. Well, because, well, those. The, the way the lights are. The you can lights see the are spray. unbelievable. <laughs> the can. lights are unbelievable. You could, you literally could read uh, with your eyeballs a Braille <laughs> menu with those lights. It is crazy. And then those moments where you really get passionate and your face turns red and a little vein on your neck pokes out and you're just just getting it, man. Like sometimes the you know, the cough drop is being expelled everywhere. Yeah. I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't feel good yesterday. Just uh bleh. Couldn't tell. You couldn't physical, tell. you know, just one of those they uh you know, there are always sermons you're like, Man, I wish I had that one back again. Yeah. Wish I could do that one over. Um and uh a lot of times, very seldom, very seldom do you do I walk out of the pulpit like pfft, home run. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, I don't know if I ever have those. I always ask my wife, "Did I make sense?" At least like when I talk, did I make sense? She's like, "Yeah." You have to ask her sometimes. Yeah, I don't even have to ask mine. She, she's like, mine's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you made sense. There are a couple times she's like, "Uh, well, your intro was a little dull. Like you could have changed and you could have expounded on and." You know, intro was weak, outro was weak. <laughs> the, whole, uh, the, the whole middle the, yeah, section was pretty weak. Yeah, right? the the content, meh, but you know, you smiled. Yeah, you made sense. Yeah. So, all right. So, hey, man, we've been in the book of John. Uh, you started the book of John a couple weeks ago, and uh, this is a new sermon series. It's going to be, uh, what'd you say, two and a half years, two years, <laughs> yeah. three years? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I would say uh, roughly two uh, years, but you, I mean, you never know. We've we've been known to. Go a little bit longer. I do yeah. know this. I had we had a lady visiting our our church yesterday, who um, uh, attends uh, our, our our well attends 
what what used to be were Piper, John Piper pastors. And, uh, you know, she uh, was saying that he spent eight years covering the book of Romans. Eight years. That makes sense. Now, I did hear, I heard Piper one time preach for an hour on the word hallowed. Hallowed. Yeah, he's pretty smart. He's pretty smart. Yeah. Pretty smart guy. Um, he, he I, you know, he and I don't agree on all aspects, but, uh, man, that, that Joker, is a, he's a brilliant dude. Yeah. Well, you named the title uh, Life in His Name. So why why that title? So before we get into your sermon, we may not even get to your sermon, but um, why why Life in His Name for that title for the book of John? Yeah, one of the things I try to do whenever I uh, outline a book of the Bible that we're walking through is I try to find what might be that key passage. What is that key verse that uh, helps us understand the theme of the book? And so that's kind of how I got this title, because over in John chapter 20, verse 31, to, to me, uh, John is saying, here's the purpose. And uh, here's what the passage says, John 20, 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his mm, name. Yeah. And so that's 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 where I came up with the uh, series title, Life in His Name. And uh, John talks a lot about life and light and uh, talks, talks about, about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it talks a lot about Jesus, yeah. uh, as he should. And uh, so that, yeah, that's where it came. It just came from that passage of scripture. And I thought, I thought it was a pretty catchy thing. And I think the, uh, the overarching um, premise of the book of John fits well into that. There is life. And when we talk about life, we even broke that down yesterday. Yeah. We're not talking about bios. We're not talking about, you know, you got blood coursing through your veins. We're talking about the Greek word zoe, which means it's everlasting life, yeah. eternal, abundant life. Uh, so, yeah, life in his name. That's where it came from. Well, in, in the past podcast, like we've, we've talked about this issue of life and light, um, you know, and I, and I know that Sometimes that can get uh, um, it's maybe a little confusing, confusing depending on how we look at it. But um, in in this whole gospel accounts, like there are, you know, there's four different gospel accounts. What's what's different about John? Sure. Yeah. Well, the in when we say there's four different gospel accounts, this is this is something that I've tried to state very clearly over our last two sermons in the book of John, there's only one gospel, yeah, and that is the gospel of the there Lord Jesus Christ, but there are four different accounts, four different telling, four different uh, authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and John. And uh, when it comes to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're known as the synoptic gospels, and that may be a new terminology to our Listeners, it's 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 interesting. I was I was speaking to my wife earlier today, and I kid you not, we had a fifteen minute conversation about the Synoptic Gospels. <laughs> she uh, she loves biblical history and is a great biblical student and teacher. But when we use the word Synoptic Gospels, those first three books of the New Testament, it they're they really really it it means it means alike. It means. Uh, they have a common view. They yeah. see together with a common yeah. view. It means together sight. So you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or excuse me, Matthew, Mark, and Luke covering really a lot of the same events in Jesus's life. Right. 
Most of them are uh, Jesus's ministry in right. Galilee. Right. Ninety um, percent of Mark's content is found in Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. Fifty uh, percent of Mark appears in Luke. There are some folks that would say that Mark was first there and that they they used Mark to build off that. I mean, you know, you can debate that back and forth, I guess, but. Uh, that, takes, that takes me back to the seminary days. Like, man, those professors would ask those questions. I'm like, man, I like, and you have 17 books that you're trying to read, and they all say something different, or yeah. Whatever. Anyway, well, sorry. and all the parables, all the parables of Jesus are found the in the synoptic gospels. It's interesting. The Gospel of John has no no parable at all in it. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the John's purpose is different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke because. Uh, he's not presenting this chronological narrative mm. of the life of Christ. Mm. But really what he, he's wanting to do is, I want you to see his deity, that yeah. he indeed is God. And so he sought to uh, strengthen the faith of kind of like second generation believers and also bring about faith in uh, in others who didn't know Christ. But he was also, I think, correcting a false teaching that was spreading in the first century that he was um, that he was not fully God and fully man. Because he emphasized that. Indeed, the Son of God. There was a false doctrine that taught that there was a Christ spirit that came upon the human Jesus at his baptism and left him at the crucifixion. And so John's dealing with that a little bit. But, um, yeah, there is a difference there. They don't contradict each other. They just tell different tell different stories um matthew primarily writing to the jews yeah uh deeply religious people matthew's going to handle the old testament scripture and look at it from from that jewish mindset um mark more writing to romans you think what is important to romans what they yeah uh, power and leadership and action and so mark is marks this narrative that just flows it's interesting when you look at the uh, gospel of mark the word and a n d appears over 1300 times mm. because it's showing it's showing the action of christ and the power his leadership there uh, luke good old dr luke he wrote to the greeks and he's going to take it from that physician's viewpoint and Greeks, what's important to them, culture and um, pursuit of truth and various things. And then John, I'd say John's audience was everyone. Yeah. Um, but he was trying to correct some false doctrine that was out there. And what is, his, what is his main theme there? God in human flesh, Jesus Christ. So it's 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 a little interesting there. You have four different accounts, but the gospel is all the same. Salvation through faith and faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I think it is important for us to understand there's a little different there, different approach yeah. to it. And uh, they tell, even their personalities, they tell the stories different ways. There are some folks that are like, oh, wait, hey, well, this story is a different story. Well, I mean, they're, but they're looking at it from a right. different view. Right. So. Um, well, I like the way that John ends the book of John. I know we're going to be there in two and a half years. We'll, we'll cover that last verse there. But, you know, like he says, like there's so many things that could be written about Jesus, but, you know, if everything were written down, all the books in the world wouldn't be able to contain it. Like I can just, I can see John writing this letter to these people and just kind of throwing that, throwing on in there going, hey, you know, there's so so much more that I could have written, but hey, you need to, people need to understand, man, if, if we document everything that Jesus did, all the books couldn't contain it. I don't know.
Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. He, he said there's no – this is only a little bit. Yeah, and you can see, like, you can see the attitude. You can see the passion. You can see the uh, – I don't know. I don't even know what word I'm looking for, but I just – I think it's interesting. It, it is. And, and, and I would say this as well when it comes to understanding any kind of scripture. Uh, you, want, you want to sit there and you want to understand – uh, what is the theme of the book, and what helps you understand the theme of the book? What, who was who the original right. audience? What's happening within the culture? Uh, what, what is he addressing specifically to that time and place and people group? But what is the overarching principle, precept that transcends all time and you know location and people groups and various things? Uh, that gives you good insight into into what is going on there. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean that it is only written to a specific group, but over and over again throughout the Bible, we even see this in prophetic things. And I know, I know, one of the things that we may talk about today is prophecy. But right. you know, in prophetic things, there has usually uh, been a specific thing that it speaks about that, in many cases, has already now come to pass. Right. But then an overarching, right. greater right. Uh, event that is yet to take place. So, uh, kind of interesting when it comes to God's word. But understand, understand who wrote it. Understand who they were writing to. Understand what they were addressing. Um, all those kinds of things gives great insight, so that you can uh, mine away those golden nuggets of biblical truth as you study God's word. So in your sermon yesterday, you had a couple points. Jesus is life, and you talked about that, you know, Bios and Zoe. Then you said Jesus is light. Um, and in that particular section, you talk about how that light discloses my sin. It directs my way. Um, but then your third point, and this is kind of where I want to uh, maybe ask a little bit more of a question. You know, your third point yesterday was talking about how he fulfills all of the prophecies. Um, can you can you talk about that for a little bit? And what prophecies are you talking about? And I'm and I'm thinking more of a you know from from a, maybe somebody that's brand new in church or maybe somebody that maybe doesn't understand these because sometimes prophecy is kind of a scary word. But what do you mean by that Jesus fulfills the prophecies, all the prophecies? Yeah, prophecies. Uh, maybe maybe a word that we would use is is prediction, uh, a, a foretelling. Uh, scripture says this will happen, and it can it comes to pass. It is fulfilled down to the minute details, and then you look at Jesus and all the prophecies that were told in the Old Testament, centuries, some of which thousands of years before Jesus came to Bethlehem talking about the coming Messiah, and yet he fulfilled at least 300 of those Old Testament scriptures, those Old Testament prophecies, have already been fulfilled in his own life, uh, even before this point. I even use the illustration, it would be the equivalent, and please hear me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not elevating myself at all, I'm just trying to make an example here. The, uh, let, let's say 700 uh, let's say the archaeologists uncovered writings from 700 years ago, and they're sitting there saying, hey, uh, you know, 700 years from now, or there's going to be a, a guy that's going to be born, and he's going to be born in 
Cherokee Indian country, and he's going to have a granddad named Jesse and a dad named George, and he's going to have three kids, two girls, and a son. He's going to get married, and he's going to pastor Highland Park Baptist Church. Yeah. Well, that there's only one person that would fulfill all seven of those, right, right. and that would be the one that's talking right here on this microphone. Right. Now, there was no prophecy yeah. written anywhere about me, okay? Yeah. And that is a weak way to try to explain, but stop and think that over 300 prophecies have already been fulfilled by Jesus. Now, there's a pretty smart guy out there by the name of Dr. Peter Stoner. And so he calculates that the random possibility of any one person fulfilling just eight of the Old Testament prophecies, just eight is one in a thousand trillion. So that is a one with 17 zeros after it. That's like our producer's bank account. (laughs) Journey, journey, journey making that big money. Yeah, so I I sit there for those folks who say, oh, well, you know, the Bible, the Bible's a book of fairy tales. It's just got a moral lesson. And no, it's not. Yeah. It's a supernatural book. It's an infallible, perfect, authoritative word of God, unlike any other book that'll ever be written. And you sit there, Isaiah 7, 14, what it say? He'll be born of a virgin. Micah 5, 2, he'll be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah 9, 1, main ministry area is going to be around Galilee. Yeah. Psalm 41, 9, he'll be betrayed by a friend. Isaiah 53, 7, he'll be silent before his accusers. Psalm twenty two sixteen. his hands and feet will be pierced. Psalm 22, 18, they'll cast lots for his clothing. Isaiah 53, 9, he'll be buried in the tomb of a rich man. And those are just eight of the prophecies that he fulfilled. Most Bible scholars would agree there are at least 300 Old Testament scriptures that have already been fulfilled in the New Testament. All right, so those, those for our listeners, like for the verses that you were reading, they were Old Testament verses, right? Like those verses of Isaiah. And then you were pointing to things in the New Testament. And so there is a period of time between the time the Old Testament was written, these prophecies were made, and the New Testament was written when these things came true. I think they say it's about 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament called the intertestamental period of time. So there, so it's more than coincidence, right? Well, yeah, like and, and, but, but even then, even if you talk about not even intertestament period, that what, what is known as the uh, moment of silence where God was not speaking, I mean, these prophecies, some of which were given thousands of years, yeah. even before the intertestament period. Right. Now, I'm a young earther. I believe, I believe the earth's been around for about 6,000 years, roughly, uh, give or take. Um, and so I'm going to sit there and I'm, I'm going to say, okay, so Christ was here 2,000 years ago in the flesh. And so there are prophecies that he fulfilled for, you know, thousands a thousand year, two thousand year prophecy that was given. I mean, you can even go back to even even some of the some of the mosaic books, and there were prophecies there about the coming Messiah that he fulfilled to the T. And so I'm just saying, when the folks are out there and they want to say, "Well, you know, you just 
the Bible, is it reliable? Can you really believe what it says? And then, and then they take the next step. Can you base your life on it? Because the Bible's no different than Aesop's fables. Right. Uh, it, it's interesting. When you, when you look at irrefutable evidence yeah. to demonstrate the truth of the Bible, most Bible scholars will tell you there's kind of three areas or three, three levels. First of all, you've got literary evidence. And, uh, you know, literary evidence is, is what we use to determine uh, different books in our society to uh, whether you can believe that is an actual book or not, or, you know, the life is there. It's, uh, it's this entire field of literary science called literary criticism. And so scholars will make a critical examination of an ancient document to determine mm. its reliability. And when it comes to determining the authenticity of an ancient document, there are a lot of different tests that these historians will apply. The first one is, how many, how many copies of the manuscript are still around? How, how close are they to one another? How similar are they to one another? So the higher the number of manuscripts and the greater the similarity between them, the more likely the copies are to be true to the original writing. Now, check this out, Ryan. I know you know this, but in the case of the New Testament, the writings of the first followers of Jesus, we were just talking about the gospel accounts, the vast number of ancient manuscripts is overwhelming evidence of its authenticity. Matter of fact, there are more ancient copies of the New Testament than any other document in all of literature. There are seven manuscripts of Plato's tetralogies. There are ten manuscripts of Caesar's Gallic Wars. Now, we don't debate that. Right. All right? There are 643 manuscripts of Homer's Iliad. And folks are like, that's a lot, 643. We know that, that's, that's, that that holds true. That's the way it was written. What about the New Testament? Over 24,000 manuscript portions of the New Testament that date back to the first few centuries of Christianity. That would be a two and a four and three zeros. Wow. 24,000. Nobody debates these other right. writings. But yet, oh, the Bible can't be true. And, and then there are folks that question the Old Testament. And, uh, and we know what happened uh, at the Dead Sea Scrolls back in the 40s. The little air boy was walking along. He picks up a rock and he throws it into one of hundreds of caves in the cliffs that surround it. You're going to be there with me in about a month That's looking right. at it. It's going to be good. And he hears something shatter. He crawls into the cave and he finds broken pottery, a jar there, and there's some old manuscripts and uh, archaeologists, they start digging out the caves through the area and they were amazed. This is in 47. They were amazed to find fragments of every Old Testament book and several complete copies. And it revealed that they were produced and written around 100 B.C. Wow. And so folks are, well, now, you know, because I've had, you ever heard folks say this, Ryan, well, the Bible has got so many errors and yeah. it's changed over time. And 
uh, you know, as people have transcribed it. It's really not God's word anymore. Surely, surely it would be discovered when the modern day text was compared to the Dead Sea Scrolls. The only variations over a thousand years amounted to what Bible scholars categorize minor spelling errors. That's it. So I've had this question to me before, um, and I didn't realize we were going to go here today, but we're going here. So uh, the question I've had before, um, we we know that you trust the Bible. Like we know that you believe the Bible. You believe it's God's word. You believe it's without error. Um, You believe that. You preach that. You teach that. We believe that you understand the Bible points to Jesus. Um, You're not ashamed of that statement. The question I've had, though, is how can we know or trust that the Bible is true and written because it was written by flawed humans? How can the Bible be 100% error-free and absolutely correct when it was written by flawed humans? Yeah, well, I would say this. Uh, I, I have a pen right here. It's a blue pen. It's a Pilot G2. My assistant gets me these pens because I like the way they write. Little gel, a <laughs> little bit, like maybe a little bit bigger um, head on it and just smooth, okay? So I can sit here and I can say, you know what? This pen, this pen is flawed because I could take this pen right now and I could stab our producer in the arm. And, we'll get and, that. We'll get that on video. And if somebody, that ever somebody, he, uh, he's a stout dude. That's he, true. He, That's he, why we want to get yeah. on video. <laughs> he slayed Bambi uh, last week. Oh, how dare you! Um, the, but so so we could sit here and we could say, well, the pen's flawed, the pen's messed up. Well, no, the the pen's an instrument. I, I'm the one that used the pen to inflict harm and damage. So so I'm the one. Right. So so I'm going to go back to man writing the Bible. Man's just an instrument. Mm. According to God's own word, he's the one who spoke it into existence. He's the one. I mean, let, let's go back. We'll go back to the argument that we were making earlier. Okay, let's just say that men did do it. Yeah, Men did do it. It wasn't God. It was men. Those are some pretty special dudes because, again, Jesus fulfilled the prophecies right. that were written right. hundreds right. and hundreds right. of years before he came. So there's got to be something. I mean, somebody's got a magic eight ball somewhere or something. (laughs) Somebody's figuring this out. Or could it be that, man, they were merely the pen that God used to convey his word to mankind? Now, what I love about God is, and we even see this in our own ministry, God uses the uniqueness of who we are. Yeah. I mean, we have different personalities and different likes and dislikes and all those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, we, we were mentioning a, a great preacher earlier, John Piper. And uh, John, John Piper has, a, I mean, unique giftings by God. Yeah. And, um, and he, he's going he's gonna to deliver a message a lot different than I'm going to deliver a message. Both bringing the truth. But in different personalities. Yeah. Let's go back to the gospel accounts. Yeah. You know, here's Luke, a physician. He's probably going to touch on things just a little bit different than than John yeah. or, or Mark or, yeah. or, or Matthew. And 
So I'm just saying, for somebody who would say, hey, uh, the question that you ask, how is it not flawed? Because flawed mankind, that because God is, is, is so holy that even he could convey mm. absolute infallible truth yeah. and use what is a flawed instrument yeah. to put it down yeah, that's great on example. paper. Uh, but ultimately, it comes down to faith. Yeah, it comes down to faith, and, and, and I tell you, you can even look at uh, the archaeological evidence. I am amazed. It seems as though recently, every single day, there is a new archaeological discovery that's taking place to prove what the Bible has already said. Um, you know, you can you can even look at the proof that has come out over the last couple of years for the existence of King David. Yeah. For the longest time, they're like, oh, we don't even know. There's no th- archaeological evidence for his existence. Well, there's a boatload of it now. <clears throat> and so they, they continue to find more and more and more. I, I'll, I'll tell you another example. The four gospel accounts. We read about a Roman governor named Pontius Pilate, right? Delivered Jesus over to the Jews right. to be crucified. No written record of Pilate other than the Bible. And so there were folks that said, no. Yeah, Bible's not true. Mentions a guy that we have no historical documentation that he ever existed. And then all of a sudden, guess what? 1961 in Caesarea, in which we'll be standing right there, they uncovered a stone tablet. Guess whose name was on that? Pontius Pilate. You can read with your own eyes that he really existed. And not just because the Bible says it, and that should be enough, but not just because the Bible says it. Archaeology confirms it. Yeah. And those are just two of hundreds of examples of how literary criticism, that's widely accepted, archaeology supports the Bible. But then you go back to the prophetic evidence that we talked about earlier. This is just a supernatural book. Supernatural book. Yeah. Um, so I'll close out today with, you know, you, you ended... Uh, your sermon, you know, as we're going through the book of John, as we're kind of laying the foundation of all these things and talking about light and life, um, you talked about there's types of people. There are people who are walking in the light, right? There are people who are walking uh, kind of towards the light. Then there's people who have turned their backs and they're walking away from the light. And so me and one of the guys here on staff, we were kind of talking about this moment here and his question was, you know, what about the people who think they're in the light, that they have spiritual life, but they are in reality spiritually dead? Like, what? How, how do how do you address that in this context of of scripture here? Man, that is so subject. I mean, you know, who, what's going on? Who is it? You know, what are they? What what is their basis of understanding the? I'm going to approach it from this way, from someone someone that would come to me and say, hey, um, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always going to sit there and I'm going to say, okay, what makes you think you might be? Let's talk about that. You know, have, have, is there evidence of faith in your life? Is there, has there been a time that you've ever called upon the name of Jesus? Has there, uh, are you different? Is there a change? Has your want to? Is it has it been has it been changed? Uh, do you do you want to please Christ? Uh, do you um, do you have a desire to 
be uh, a part of his his will and his way and you know you want to gather together with his people and you want to read the word and so I'm going to sit there and I'm going to say what is it that would make you think that you are even living in the light and then based on that response kind of kind of go from there I mean if they were to sit yeah. there and say well because because I've been baptized yeah well, that's awesome man I think think we should do that but baptism doesn't put anybody in the light doesn't make anybody saved well i go to church okay that's awesome i think church is important but now why do you go to church yeah why do you live a good life why are you so i've got to get down to the root what makes you think you're in the light you're truly saved to begin with and um and then ultimately if i can't get that peace uh, assurance that God offers is the birthright to all those that are his children. Yeah. If I can't get that peace yeah. of heart that I'm in Christ, then I'm going to throw myself on the mercy of Christ. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to surrender to him. I, th- I, th- I think the problem is so many times there's this, there's this faulty view out there, Ryan, that people think salvation is a guessing game that you cannot know for sure. Mm. And when salvation is, it's horrible. Yeah. It is literal hell on earth. It literally is. But when, but when your salvation is built on Jesus plus you fill in the blank, you're never going to have assurance yeah. and peace. Now, again, should those things occur? Yes. Not to be in Christ, but because you are in Christ. So, you know, I'll give you an example. For instance, let's say I sit there and I, I love my wife. I'm going to spend the rest of my day with her. Rest of my days with her. Okay. Um, how do you know you love your wife? Well, number, number one, we got married. I said I do. Well, I love my wife, but I'm not going to marry her. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not going to do that. Well, I, lo- I love my wife. Yeah, we live in two different places. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like spending time with her. I mean, I love my wife, though. I really love her. I'm going to spend the rest of my days with her. Um, now, you know, I mean, I go out with her on Tuesday and Thursday, and then there's a, a couple other ladies I go out with the other nights of the week. And you, Well, no, you're not. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, how yeah. foolish would that be? Right. How <laughs> foolish would that be? Same way, I have no desire for the things of God. I spend no time with him. Uh, there's been no change in my life. And, again, we're not talking perfection. But we're talking, I mean, I'm a different man. <laughs> Going back to this marriage analogy, yeah. I'm a different man as a married man that has committed my love to my wife for life than I was when I was a single dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the affections are to her and her alone. I, I'm just saying, yeah. we, I think we make it so much harder Uh and God wants you to have assurance. You can have assurance. Yeah. Um, Brian, you ever been talking to somebody? And you're like, do you know that you'll go to heaven when you die? Well, I sure hope so. Yeah. Well, well you can know so. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Like, yeah. you, you you can know so. Yeah. And I would say to any of our listeners that are there that just can't grasp it, go ahead and sit there and say, you know what? I may never know what has happened up until this day. Right now, I'm drawing yeah. a line in the sand. There you go. Right now, I'm calling and confessing the name of Jesus Christ, surrendering 
to him that from this day forward, almost like Joshua, from this day forward, me and my house will serve the Lord. Mm. And uh, the reality is there may never come a time where you really understand what happened up to this point. And, you know, it's not like God's up in heaven. God's saying, oh, no, 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 no. You really meant it five years ago and you just didn't understand it. And so now that you did this, it's canceled. It's man, we are we're making this thing much harder than it has to be. Um, But God, God wants you to have peace. Yeah. An assurance of your salvation. Mm. It is a birthright of his child. You can know that you know, right? And that's why we love you as our pastor, man. You always point us to Jesus. You always give a clear example of the gospel. You always give a clear invitation to the gospel, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you for always doing that. Thank you for leading us well. And if you're listening to The Unchangeable Truth, we thank you for always listening to The Unchangeable Truth. And we'll see you next week. Hey guys, this is Pastor Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to this week's issue of the podcast called Unchangeable Truth. Let me encourage you as well, if you get a chance, go check out our website. It's Highland, H-I-L-A-N-D, Park, P-A-R-K, dot org. On that website, you'll learn more about our ministry at Highland Park Baptist Church. You can also listen to some previous sermons, which are archived for the previous year. And as well, if you ever find yourself in Panama City in person, come and check us out. Worship with us live at 2611 Highway 231 North. We would also love to talk to you about Jesus Christ. If you got any questions regarding your relationship with Him, having faith in Him, or if this podcast has encouraged you, or you have other questions regarding the podcast, feel free, shoot us an email at podcast at highlandpark.org. As always, our prayer is that this podcast would point you to Jesus Christ, would increase your faith, and would help you as you mature daily in your walk with Jesus Christ. God bless.